0: Welcome to the Which Game First interview with Jason Macelli of Geek Fever Games. Our own Evan Bernstein speaks to Jason about his latest game projects, getting started in the industry, and a lot more, including the worst game he's ever played. Okay, I'm with American game designer and the founder of Geek Fever Games, Jason Macelli Jason, welcome to Which Game First. Hello, thanks for having me. No problem. Did I get that right? The founder of Geek Fever Games is—is is that correct?
1: That is correct. One of two. Uh, my my buddy and partner uh, Matt Plourde and I started it in 2012. I'm also the founder, co-founder of um, of a newer uh, publishing company as well called Phase Shift Games. Oh, that's great.
0: That's excellent. And what do you think is the first thing? that you would like for all of us to know about yourself and Geek Fever Games?
1: Oh, we make the best games on the planet. <laughs> they look great, I tell you. <laughs> Thank you. Honestly, we're in this for the long haul. We started with some smaller games. We started with some self-publishing through the Game Crafter uh, and you know, slowly worked through a series of milestones. Our first milestone was just have a game that's published, you know, self-published, have our name on a box, right? Second milestone, uh, start winning some awards. Third milestone, get to some major conventions. Fourth milestone, get to Essen in Germany and, and so on. Uh, you know, and then, you know, at this point, we now have uh, six titles signed with four different publishers, including AEG. Uh, so, you know, we keep kind of knocking those big milestones out more and more every year. And uh, it's it's going great. So, you know, I don't think we have the best games on the planet. I'm I'm a little more humble than that, but I do think <laughs> that we have something special. I think we're we're doing really well and, um, you know, uh, I'm really excited about the team and, and where it's come to.
0: I have yet to play a game produced by Geek Fever Games.
1: Oh, so. no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, therefore, I'm just giving you my perspective because as a person who only recently visited your website at geekfevergames.com. And I went right to the list of games that you guys are producing, uh, have produced, in an effort to try to determine which game I should play first, of course. And I've got to tell you, there is something, I mean, there's something really enticing for me in every single game that I looked at. These are really good-looking and
1: really inviting games. Thank you for that. That is, That's amazing to hear. I love that. Uh, You know, we spent enough time in the industry and we we certainly have soaked up a lot of the tribal knowledge, Um, you know, things like, you know, every game has to have something unique, has to have that one sentence pitch that just hooks people. And, and I'll be honest, some of our earlier titles, we, we weren't that refined with, you know, now uh, the latest game I'm working on the most authentic roguelike available on the tabletop. It's just mm-hmm. one sentence. It's so crisp. And it immediately tells you what's special about it. And you know, immediately if that's a game you're going to be interested in or not in. We are really selling that unique point and, and pushing that unique aspect.
0: We will be uh, sampling at least a few of your games, I'm sure, in the upcoming year of 2019 and, and in the future. Um, but uh, let me ask you this. Now, uh, I read a little bit about you. You have a, a bio at the, at the homepage, theater direction and video production. Now, you don't always find those experiences uh, among the resume of a game designer. So tell me about how much those past professions came into play when designing the
1: games that you have. Um, So I'll add one more to that list and then I'll answer the question. And That's sign language. Uh, I didn't put that in the bio, but yeah, no, I have a very strange, diverse background, especially when it comes to my college years. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had all these computer skills, but I kept kind of fighting that and saying, I don't want to just be a developer coding in a closet. I want to interact with people Mm -hmm. now come to find out fast forward. 30 years or whatever <laughs> from, from those days, uh, right. I am in the computer industry. I, I finally circled back around and said, why am I ignoring the very, uh, you know, the, the very financially lucrative skills that I have. But mm-hmm. on the, you know, on the, in the meantime, I've been able to tap into all of that other side of the brain stuff as mm-hmm. the creative uh, background that I have. And so, you know, to me, I do pull from that uh, theatrical experience and the video production um, and the, you know, even sign language. It's all, all those things are really about telling a story that are intended to evoke a certain emotional response. Well, I'm sorry, but that's what game design is too. Games are telling a story and each game is intended to deliver a certain experience and evoke a certain response, whether it's suspense or terror or fear or, or humor or excitement, or tension. Uh, and so, I absolutely tap into those creative powers that I had in my youth.
0: Oh, I hear you. And, and they definitely do seem to come through. From the videos that I've watched of people reviewing your games and doing playthroughs and things, those certainly do come through. Now, specifically, I think Dead Man's Doubloons would probably be the one that a lot of people would point to as probably one of your Premier games for the for the company, and there's a lot of comments online not only about how fun the game is, but also the just the quality of the components that you put that that you've put into this game, and I'm sure your other games as well. And uh, that leaves a lasting impression on people as well.
1: Yeah, we're really proud of that production. Um, Thundergriff Games is the publisher for that game. Um, they did a phenomenal job. I mean, the ship molds that are in that box, the quality of the components. Uh, he really helped us push that to the, to the max so that it was the best possible production it could be. And it does deliver a very unique experience. Um, it's a, it's a cutthroat pirate game. And so that right off the bat, you know, means that there's going to be a certain amount of tension and kind of take that associated, uh, along with the chaos of an action programming game. Um, but that does create a very unique experience. Thank you. It's, uh, it, it is something we're very proud of. It is the first game that we really, got to the market through a mainstream publisher. And now, again, that's one of six, uh, but that was the first one. So you're right. That's that's the premiere. And the uh, I saw a
0: three-minute sort of quick walkthrough video of it, highly produced. I don't know if you had a hand in that or not. Somebody did. And they packed so much information about Dead Man's Doubloons, about the game, about the rules, so going through it in three minutes. It was so nicely done and tightly packed. And you were really able to kind of follow along to see exactly how the game is played. There's a lot of phases to this game that that are make it really interesting.
1: Indeed, yeah, I think that was produced by Thundergriff, uh, so I can't take credit for that particular video. But I worked closely with uh, Gonzalo and the rest of the team there mm-hmm. to make sure that it's delivering the right information. So yeah, no, they did a they did a tremendous job there.
0: I love the idea of the end of the game, which is. Am I explaining this right? A timed race to sort of finish up the game is, is is that right?
1: Yeah, essentially it's this kind of epic end game finale and by the way there's two different end games because there's two different games in the box. There's two islands. One side, the main board is kind of the basic island. If you flip it over, there's a different island and it's kind of the more advanced way to play and it has a different end game. But in either case, um, one of them is a bit more of a race, like you say. The other one is uh, kind of uh, who, can, who can scoop up the most tribal ruins and, and relics um, in the time allotted. So it does create this, um, this interesting scenario where phase one of the game is either you're trying to unlock the mystery of the crater and get the jewels or you're trying to get to the mountain at the, at the base of the mountain where the buried treasure is. That's kind of phase one. And then once you do that, it unlocks this kind of endgame finale. And uh, yeah, it's more of that story that emerges and this experience that emerges that uh, that makes the whole a very awesome you know, experience.
0: I mean, we we on the show love games that have, you know, these sorts of elements to them, these different sort of layers to the games. We're all for those and we really look forward to playing it. Now, I do I do want to bring up Mars versus Earth. Mm hmm. Or MVE. I'm sure that one is near and dear to you. That was the very first game that you produced. That's
1: correct. That's kind of what started it all. Well, I say that, but if you rewind 10 years even earlier than that, Matt and I had a, a an earlier company. Now, this is back when we're in like college years and mm. the game crafter didn't exist, Boston Festival of Indie Games CT Fig didn't exist, Kickstarter didn't exist. This is back in the days when we're talking to local manufacturers about doing, you know, print runs and trying to raise $25,000. It's like it was stupid. And so it was a failed <laughs> effort, but it definitely gave us an appreciation for the building of a full product. Anyway, fast forward 10 years and now we have Kickstarter and the Game Crafter and all these resources and I went back to Matt and said We're going to do this for real. And that game at the time that we were kind of dabbling with was Mars versus Earth. And so we started the company in 2012. And then uh, I think it might have been 2013 that we self-published MVE. Um, And then Mm -hmm. by 2014, it was in printed copies that we were selling at conventions.
0: Did the experience of developing the other games make you want to go back and do anything different to
1: Mars versus Earth? Not so different as much as better, right? Like, we're just, we're better now. We know the ropes. We know what graphic design is. We know how to pitch things better. Um, Yeah, we just want to do it better and and make it bigger because we know that the experience it delivers is sublime and everyone needs to experience it. Just the title
0: alone, Mars versus Earth. I mean, I can't help but think of Mars Attacks, the movie.
1: That's what it was inspired
0: by. Yep. Instantly, so I mean, you really, it really did click. And if that's what you were going for, it, it worked out perfectly. Now, we're not just all pirates here and space aliens and these sorts of things. You have a word game that you, that you've had a hand in producing as well, called Plus Word.
1: That's correct. Uh, so in 2015, we brought on our third partner, Tim Mirzajouski. Uh, Tim had been kind of independently developing games for years on his own, and I had met him through a job and uh, became fast friends and obviously uh, realized that we had this passion for game design. We uh, over the years, we just kind of got closer and closer and ultimately decided to join forces. So he pulled in his suite of games at the time, which included Plusword and a few others. Plusword is probably the most elegantly simple word game ever conceived almost to a fault because as we've talked to potential business partners about this game, they look at it and if they don't play it, they're like, "Eh, it's just one word on a card. You have to play it and experience how those words come together. You're creating pairs and then you're writing down a connecting word uh, for each pair. And then you're going around the table and there's a scoring mechanism. It just plays so elegantly simple, yet so incredibly fun for mixed groups and I think that's the magic of that game. You can play it with your aunts, your uncles, your nephews. We play with patients with Alzheimer's, like you can just pull in mixed groups in in such a great way. It's multi-generational. We played with people from foreign countries who barely could speak English. But because of the way the game is played, it frankly adds a better additional dynamic to the game when you play with uh, people who barely even speak the language. So much fun. All
0: right. I'm, I'm going to hit you with a couple little questions here towards the end here. I'm going to call it the unofficial sort of lightning round. So I'm going to hit you fast with a few of these. Ready? All right. Your favorite convention, which is your favorite?
1: God, I can't answer that. I love so uh, many. I love Boston <laughs> Festival of Indie Games. I run CT Fig, so I love that one. I've been going to Origins and Gen Con, and Essen is amazing. Holy cow, I love Total Con in Boston. Favorite, I guess I'd have to say Boston Fig because of how much it means to the indie community.
0: What's your most memorable moment you've had at a convention? Is there something that absolutely
1: stands out? So this is going to be strange, but I was demoing for Thunder Griff at Gen Con last year and a, uh, a person with special needs came over and sat down to play Spirits of the Forest and I was demoing it. And my first reaction was, oh, God, what's what's about to happen? This is going to be long and, and very torturesome. And while it was a strain I felt such a fulfillment in in helping this guy enjoy this game. And he had such an amazing time. He gave me a hug. He bought a copy of the game. He'll probably never play it, but it definitely was such a meaningful moment. And I, I slapped myself for having that initial reaction. And I said, this is so special what we just were able to do for this guy.
0: Now, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. You have to tell us what was the worst game you've you've ever played does does one stand out as the worst
1: Shadowrun Crossfire
0: Okay I'm not familiar with that one so give us a little explanation 10 seconds on that one
1: <laughs> I love Shadowrun I love the universe I love the role playing game we said oh a board game set on the universe and we we played it probably four times And separate groups tried it out. It just, the rules seemed completely disjointed, unrefined. It did not create a good experience. It actually seemed literally impossible to win. It did not come together for us. Uh,
0: I tell you what, there's nothing more disappointing than a genre you're interested in or a line of games or products. You're so looking forward to it. And it just turns out to be such a dud. There's really no worse disappointment, I think, in in the industry. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Who came up with the tagline, your prescription is ready?
1: Uh, I think it was a communal effort. We struggled with taglines over the years and uh, we had a bunch of different ones in the beginning. And, you know, when we sat back, we're like, wait a minute, these taglines are like everyone else's taglines. They do games that are really fun, fun mm-hmm. to the max, fun squared. Like, you know what? Everyone thinks that they have games that are fun, games that people want to play. Like, how do we come up with something unique? And we already had the name Geek Fever Games, which my daughter came up with, by the way. Um, and so we started thinking about the fever thing. And I got to tell you, I think that that is the new tagline and the way that the brand comes together is incredibly powerful because it's it's such a unique angle. I know
0: we want to know what is in store for Geek Fever Games in 2019 and beyond. What can you tell us is coming?
1: So the game that, uh, that I designed most recently is called Queen's Quest. I gave you the tagline for it before. It's the most authentic roguelike available on the tabletop. Uh, that mm-hmm. is being published by my new company, Phase Shift Games. Uh, so that's now a publishing company that we're going to start publishing our own stuff and possibly other people's stuff. In fact, we signed someone else's game as well. Queen's Quest is a big game. This is a dungeon romp. It is deep. It has a lot of components. Uh, It's very retro, old school style, very intentionally. So it's got an 8-bit artwork style look and feel. Wow. Super proud of it. The game is amazing. It's so deep. It it gives you that dungeon crawling experience that you'd expect from a roguelike back in the days of DOS and, you know, in the original Windows version. So really excited about that. That will be hitting uh, the press and probably Kickstarter in 2019. It sounds
0: like you've something something you've been thinking about or de- in development for quite a while. Then,
1: oh yeah, it's been uh, multiple years. It actually won an award for the dungeon crawler contest on the Game Crafter in late 2017 or might have been beginning of 2018. Even since that award-winning you know release, it's been developed further for the next year. So it's it's super refined and it's going to be. Uh, it, we think it's going to be big. All right, thank you so much for joining us on which game first. Thank you, Evan.